Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. And welcome back to Micromobility. Uh, how's everyone going? We Today we have uh, Horace uh, on the line and we have uh, Corinne. Oh, we, Good, thanks. I'm, I'm doing great. Great. Excellent. Yeah, I'll leave it to you, Horace, to, uh, to do a bit of an introduction <laughs> and, uh, and let, then let, we can let Corinne introduce herself as well. Well, super. So, I'm, you know, as you can tell, I'm really excited. And I'm really excited. This is our first guest. We have with us uh, Corinne Vogel from... Uh, Smide, which is a company in Switzerland operating e-bikes, in particular speed pedelec bikes, as a shared system in uh, in Zurich, Switzerland. And I'm super excited because I've known Corinne for some time, and I've actually asked her long ago to be on the show, and uh, we finally made it happen. I've actually been very familiar with the Smide system for some time because myself and a, uh, another Co-founder, we're looking at uh, this space, and we we met the folks at Smide about a, a bit more than a year ago. What what's great about uh, Smide and 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 Kareen's role in it is that we can get some real operational uh, details about what it's like really to run uh, a bike sharing system and. I'd love to dig into that. So I'll let Corrine also explain her role and a little bit about Smide. So welcome to the show, Corrine. Thank you very much, Horace. I'm very happy to be here. So yeah, my name is Corrine. I'm from Switzerland. I'm a co-founder of Smide, the world's first stationless e-bike sharing system. We started Smide in 2015 in Zurich. And the purpose was actually to learn about the mega trend sharing in mobility. And yes, we're a startup. And like in every startup, everybody has like a series of functions and roles. I'm, for instance, I am responsible for market developments and partner acquisition. But I also do look after the operations team in Zurich. We have currently a small fleet of 250 fast high-end e-bikes that go up to 45 kilometers per hour. With this rather small fleet, we actually manage um, to get as many rides as our competitors do in Zurich. And you may... Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) It is amazing. And yeah, you may be asked, um, what are the reasons why we get as much usability um, as all the competitors together? Um, Firstly, we focus on a very high quality vehicle and we know that people they're actually willing to walk a bit further to get a premium bike and therefore we don't require like a crazy number of bikes in the city as the china models do um secondly we are also stationless like people they can drop the bike at their final destination um we also know that people like they would walk maybe up to 300 meters to get a bike. But as the other service, like the station-based services, they have like a lot of bikes. You actually only need one bike. And with our app, 
we've implemented some intelligent algorithm as well as incentives, which ensure that there is always a bike in 200, 300 meters um, in our geofence. So people awesome. get a bike wherever they want to have one. Interesting. That's Very amazing. Cool. I think you gave us so much to dig into. But before we, <laughs> we go too far, let, let, let's make sure people understand. You started off by saying this is, this is a special kind of bike. This is a speed bike. Uh, can you tell us about the vehicle? You said it's a premium product. How, how, how should we think about it? Yes, uh, premium means uh, a very um, um, fast, powerful motor. And us, um, Zurich is also quite dense and the topography is very hilly. You can actually go faster, further with that high quality e-bike. Right, so, so you can go uphill very quickly. And what is the, what is the, is this a bike that people can buy? Is this a bike that, that is available? It's um, it's it's a bike. Now we we run like it's a, it's a stromer bike, ST2, uh, one of the best e-bikes available in the world right now. Yeah, and people can also buy them. I'd love to just jump in here because this is this is such a different model uh, from the from the American scooter model and and also as well the Chinese bike model. You know, as you were saying. Um, you know, those bikes are anywhere from 70 to $100, and we know from the US that those scooters are around $400. Going really high-end, that, that's a really different model for Europe. Can you talk us through um, sort of how you're thinking? I mean, for Europe, especially Switzerland, um, people, they like to have a very good quality bike. I mean, we can also see them if we look at vandalism in Zurich, because in Zurich they were like, four different bike-sharing companies. And vandalism, I mean, Swiss people, normally they're very respectful people, but even they started like to do vandalism um, of the cheaper bikes because uh, you can tell they're from a foreign company and they shouldn't be here. So people, they really like um, premium products. <laughs> That's really fascinating because, you know, you would think that in a place like Switzerland and Zurich in particular, it's you know people are are not likely to vandalize uh, to damage a property, but they do tend to dislike these other uh, low end bikes. But uh, they they tend to also not not damage your bikes, and so uh, that, that to me is fascinating. It seems anomalous. It seems uh, strange. But uh, are you confident that that would also be the case in other cities? I'm confident about like um, Europe, for example, Germany, which the culture is uh, very similar to um, Swiss culture. I would also think like in England, you would also have people respecting a premium bike more than just a, a cheap mm -hmm. model. In, in many cases, like these are these are I I, I know the Stromer uh, and it's a it's very much like a Porsche. Yeah, it, I mean it's not. Maybe Ferrari because it's not exotic, but it is it is uh, powerful and good looking and it has a certain presence. So I think you can see it far away and you can sort of identify the design language of it and so on. And uh, I, I, you know, I wonder if if people are more likely to respect something that that has that presence versus uh, something that seems to be more polluting or or kind of 
just seems to be, you know, background noise in, in a city. So I, there's something interesting to me. Also, coming from a phone background is kind of the way people treat a Mac or they treat a, an iPhone, and they sort of automatically has some respect. Uh, as Johnny Ive likes to say, you know, they put a lot of effort into the design, and it, it hopefully that shows that they care, and therefore other people will also care about the product. So uh, the, 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 the product reflects what was put into it. So there's something to say about that. And I also like the, uh, uh, the lower f density because of the fewer numbers. But how do people, how do people deal with that? If the, if the bike isn't near them, how do you uh, expect them to, to use the service because there's so few bikes and they have to maybe walk a, a kilometer or something? I would do, do, are they willing to do that? No, no. <laughs> um, um, as I mentioned before, like we've, we've implemented um, intelligent algorithm as well as an incentive system for customer, uh, which actually ensures that our bikes the 250 bikes, that they are spread well within the geofence, that people won't have to walk longer than 300 meters. Um, and as they know, maybe they have to walk 100, 200 meters, but they're very eager to get like a smart bike because then they know with the speed pedelec, they get faster and further to, to their final destination. So they're willing to go this, um, to walk so, those uh, meters. So it's different in some ways compared to anything else. Can you talk through what the comp what, what the competition would be? So if I was, say, for example, I'm in Zurich and I'm, I'm like, I want to use it. What are the other options that might be available to me that I would be comparing to from a, like a customer perspective? Mm -hmm. um, there is one company. Um, it's um, subsidized from the cities. It's actually a station-based um, system, but they only have like stations in the core city. So, and those, um, they have like, they would have up to 2,000 bikes um, uh, this year, at the end of this year. And, but, and it's a mixed fleet, but with those bikes, you only go for short trips in the core city. You can't go third out. I mean, you can, but it takes you longer. Yeah. Uh, and when you say it's a mixed fleet, is that a mixture of electric and non-electric? Exactly. It's yeah. a normal bike as well as an an electric bike, but only one who goes up to 25 kilometers an hour. And we are actually the only one in Zurich, like focusing on the speed pedelec, the one uh, which goes up to 45 kilometers an hour. But 45, which is about 30 miles an hour, uh, 45 is, isn't that regulated as a separate type of vehicle with the number plate and with uh, other regulations like a helmet and, and, and a driver's license is, is is that uh, does that constrain uh, the user base so that people not everybody can ride? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, for those bikes, customers need to have a driving license. Um, we have to check this on the registration. Um, the bike also has to come with a with a helmet. And we know that actually this limits the customer segment. We know this, this. but on the other side, having faster e-bikes also offer more use cases. And that's actually the explanation also why the overall usage is larger than with like the other sure. bikes, the non-regulators. Well, you, 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 
Yeah, you end up with a different user base, maybe not as young and maybe not as not as uh, um, adventurous because you have the helmet regulation. But uh, but you also you probably also get people who are willing to spend more because they are going to you know be a bit more affluent and having a driver license usually you know requires some some more means. I mean, we're talking about Switzerland, not the U.S., where everyone has a license, but. But I want to ask a bit about competition. So, uh, how does this service compare? You know, what is the price, and what is it, what is it relative to the uh, other, uh, either micromobility or transit system in Switzerland? How, how do we think about it? Yeah, you, you can just buy a package of minutes, and now we charge like 25 cents per minute. But we also offer monthly subscription um, as well as yearly subscriptions, where you get. Um, three minutes daily and as I mentioned before also one of our keys is um, incentivating users to, to drop the bikes where we want to have them so they can on the other hand also earn like three minutes. Um, what we did is we um, set up like a charging grid where the customers can also um, charge, actually they charge for us um, the bikes and so we can also lower the operation expenses. Right. So like Lime and Bird need to collect the scooters every night and they need to take them to someone's house, typically, a, 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 you know, a crowdsourced uh, service person who can go and, and charge the bikes overnight. And usually they, you know, they have to pay five dollars per per vehicle per charge. And we're actually having the user do that for you. That that would save a lot of money um, in in uh, in operations. And uh, uh, also, what about in you know, who are you competing with? Are you competing with scooters? Or are you competing with walking? Are you competing with transit? What you're offering is speed and uh, presumably the range because you're going to go further and faster. Uh, so is this commuters? Are these people who are uh, just going out for a fun ride? Or how, who do you segment the customers and what they do? Yeah, as you said, like our speed vehicles, they're like for longer trips and Therefore, also Smike competes like with ride sharing, such as Uber, and also public transport. So our competitors are not, firstly, called like the other bike sharing companies. It's it's the car and it's the public transport. And we also have like studies showing that our e-bikes, um, that's also what like the city likes about us, actually um, brings people from the car to the bike. So actually, uh, it reduces cars and public transport in the long term. Yeah, I wanted to talk a bit about also thinking, again, outside of this context, outside of Zurich, are you looking to grow into new markets? And if so, where? And, and uh, are you planning on, for example, going to other parts of Switzerland? or? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we're going to build up very soon. Uh, like um, our second place in Switzerland. It's going to be the capital of Switzerland, which is Bern. Three weeks ago, we got like the exclusive right uh, to run a stationless bike sharing there. Uh, we had to go through um, yeah, some talks and <laughs> long talks with the city. Um, but uh, yeah, we won the game. So we're going to build up Bern with the same system as in Zurich. So we're going to have a small fleet with high-end speed pedelecs. What we also did for Bern, which 
um, was very successful is we launched a crowd lending campaign this week. It was actually on Tuesday. And we were all surprised. We knew that everybody loves Smile in Switzerland. But after 24 hours, we already got like the first crowd lending like succeeded. We're not familiar with this. Yeah, yeah. We offer it like for our customers, as well as all the other people, uh, a very nice deal where we could um, invest in Smite with 5,000 Swiss francs, which will be repaid over the, for, uh, over the next three years. And during this time, you get yeah, a little interest. But the different thing was you can write Smite for free for the next three oh. years. So you get like a monthly subscription. Wow. And we were surprised that, yeah, after 24 hours, we found like 50 people who did that straight away. So, and, 50. You and, should have asked and for more. Com- you should have gotten yeah, more. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you could pay for the whole bike. the second campaign. And <laughs> oh, brilliant. we got closed it after 48 hours. Yeah. Amazing. So, just for context as well, five thousand uh, Swiss francs is about five thousand US dollars. Is that is that correct, more or less? Yeah, that should be correct. Yeah, yeah they're wow. about one to one. So, so let me let me try to rephrase this. So, uh, instead of crowd funding, this is crowd lending. So, the average person like myself could uh, give five thousand dollar essentially loans to uh, one five thousand dollar loan to you and then i would uh i would get the money paid back to me instead of kind of hoping that you just send me some product uh, in this case because it's a service i i get a free subscription but that's not going to be worth five thousand dollars but i'm presumably just going to get my money back and an interest and get the free service so it seems like a great deal uh, if you know you you're sort of hoping that the person will pay you back, but it sounds like you guys have a pretty good business model. So so what 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 what? So let me see. So five thousand people, five thousand dollars, fifty people. That's two hundred fifty thousand. So is that enough to deploy how many bikes in Bern? Yeah, that yeah, we did this so we get um, we can actually start. Um, Sooner we burn, we're going to get like 50 bikes to be employed um, this October. Okay. So for 5,000, you essentially are sponsoring one bike and therefore that's enough to purchase it and probably operate it for some time and uh, generates, I suppose it starts to generate some income. But the uh, is 50 enough for burn? I mean, burn, I don't know how the, how big is the population of burn? It's about 150,000 people. Our, Interesting. Our and ha- yeah, what? Yes, to get up to um, uh, 200 bikes uh, next spring in 2019, and then go okay. up to 400 later on. Yeah. That just strikes me as like really low. <laughs> well, it's a start. I think it sounds like it sounds like it's just a bootstrapping phase, but. Uh, you know, 50 of these high-quality bikes might... Uh, 150,000, by the way, is a very small population relative to what we think of in the United States or even in larger cities in the Europe. But uh, And it's hard to believe that that's the capital of Switzerland. But uh, 
none, nonetheless, you know, you've got to start somewhere. So I think it's 50 going up to 400 is reasonable for this product, which brings me to this point about the fact that uh, this represents a high-end offering, uh, premium, you could say, but it's 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 not meant to wor work without uh, multimodality. In, in other words, it's 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 part of a spectrum of choices people have. So in a city where you have good transit, where you have personal cycling, where you have certainly high car ownership as well, but people can choose this to complement some of the other modes they may have available. And so it's interesting how I always believe in segmentation in terms of this service, that there will be something for everybody. There'll be some high-end, low-end, low and there'll be something in the middle. And uh, uh, in that case, you don't need to be dominant across the whole space. And again, going back to the phone business, Apple is satisfied with 15% market share because they have the best 15%. Uh, so they have the best customers. And, and, and part of that is by creating a product that is premium and uh, you signaling essentially uh, that uh, both the customer owning that product signals that they have means to buy it, but also that they're willing to spend, which is, which is a signal to software developers and others to uh, develop for the platform because they'll know the buyer is more likely to spend money, which again leads to the question of how you can leverage this audience to do more than just ride bikes. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can start thinking about uh, selling other services or uh, working with with the customer to deliver something new. Uh, but I, I love the idea of premium in, in, in a space which is considered predominantly to be the cheaper, the better. And I, I think the Chinese uh, got us thinking that, that you have to have many, many bikes and they have to be very, very cheap. Uh, but that has not worked in Europe, and in fact, now we're we're seeing this alternative there emerging. Or, so, or, so. or many places around the world either. I mean, yeah, you've seen Ofo and Mobike et cetera pulling out of the US and uh, Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, this is such a different mentality. Um, I, I <laughs> forgive me, Corinne, for saying it's so small, but it's just it's so it's so um, antithetical to the sort of. Uh, the ideas um, that you see with the deployment of the scooter market in the U.S., where they're just like, let's flood the entire city with these uh, with these scooters. Um, and, and cities don't like this. The cities actually, and you see San Francisco limiting to 650 per uh, per uh, uh, operator, and and that's a scooter business. And I think that's 650 for a population of something close to 800,000 people. Uh, so, you know, you're dealing with uh, multiples of burn and yet still you don't have uh, high super high densities available new york city has 10,000 or actually i think now it's grown to 15,000 if they include brooklyn but this is a population of millions of people like 8 million people in new york city so so it's it's proportional to the market and i think this is why i you know i think this is we're starting to see the beginning of intelligent marketing for for micromobility really thinking about what are the customer segments what are the right price points how do you work with cities so that you cover the utility value and also not detracting too much from the space that's being occupied uh, which by the way is is public land and therefore uh, shouldn't be abused by private interests Corinne, how do you how do you work with regulators in terms of parking enforcement and and and, and that sort of thing? 
Yeah, uh, regulation is a big thing. Um, like, it's very important to talk to cities. And um, Zurich is a very liberal. That's also like they accepted even like a Chinese model to come. Where is now Bern, um, you, have, you have to get like an exclusive right uh, to be able to come to, to Bern. Um, because um, bike sharing systems, they have been all over the world. Everybody knows now like the bad thing about um, cluttering like cities. Um, so you have to take fears um, from the cities and you have to talk to them proactively. Um, we are doing very fine in Switzerland. Uh, cities are very happy, happy about us because you, we always know with our small premium fleet where our bikes are because the bikes, they got like um, a modern tracking sensor inside. Um, so we know where they are. Um, we also don't clutter streets and that's becoming more important for the cities. So, just out of curiosity, so um, when someone goes to, you know, finish up with this my bike, is there a sort of, you can only park in specific areas, do they have to lock it, do they lock it to something, um, how, does that, how does that experience work? Um, no, um, we're actually free floating, we work with a geofence, like a big area where you can, where you can book, ride and give your bike back. Um, it all works uh, through an app. Um, you, you open the bike and you close the bike through the app and the motor actually blocks when, when you close the bike. Um, we try to advise customers to park the bike at the um, public bike stations, but they don't have to. In Switzerland, you can park everywhere you bike. You just have to make sure like the pedestrian, there's enough place like 1.5 meter um, for the people who like to walk. So let, let me let me just build on this a bit uh, because I think maybe people didn't catch one detail, which is that these are hub motors. So the motor is in the back of the wheel, I mean, in the back wheel. And w you can electrically lock it because it acts as a generator. So uh, if you, you know, if instead of having it be driving you you could be slowing you down and so the th cool thing is that you can remote lock the 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 bike simply by by having the motor act as a brake and then people would have a hard time moving the bike and uh and that that is pretty clever because you don't need mechanical locks it's a purely electronically and the communications happens through uh, uh basically a module that acts as a cellular phone and you can obtain data and send data to the bike directly and it uh, it you also know its location and so on so it's a very smart bike i think i think what's different also from the purely mechanical bikes which have a lock on them like the chinese model uses a locking system that is uh, based on uh, a little bit of battery power that's available either the user inputs that through a dynamo or there's a small solar panel that keeps the battery charged on the lock itself but only on the lock but there isn't a lot of intelligence in the lock except you know receiving and and uh, and sending some minimum data but the um 
So the, the cool thing is that you have essentially a smart bike with uh, loads of power. Can you tell us about the range and how do we, how many times do you have to charge the bike, for example? Like the range, you can actually um, drive about 100 kilometers with one battery. It actually depends on the, um, how much you want to get supported by the motor. So if you drive on the highest support level, you can go for 70 kilometers. Um, swapping batteries, we have to do, now we have like pretty good weather in Switzerland. So our bikes, they get driven quite a lot. So we have to swap batteries every second day. Um, what, what we try to do, what, what we started is like, yeah, building like an electric vehicle charging grid not only for our bikes, but also for other bikes and incentivize customer uh, to charge our bikes. And if they charge a bike, they get like three minutes in replace and it helps us recharging the whole fleet. What I, I would really love to know um, from, from your perspective, um, you know, 45 kilometers an hour. So I took out a, a Stroma when I was uh, hanging out in Dublin and um, in Dublin, they don't make you wear helmets. And the guy at the bike shop was like, yep, just go ahead. And I was zooming around Dublin and I was like, my goodness. I mean, this, you know, to my, to my New Zealand sensitivities, where we all have to wear helmets for everything, I, was, I had a minor freak out because those things are like rocket ships. You pedal in them and then all of a sudden you, you realize you're going as fast as the cars. And I, I'm kind of curious for you guys, you know, how do you mitigate for, for accidents? Has that been an issue with, with having faster, more higher powered bikes? It has been an issue, like um, in the first place, when we talked to the city of Zurich, they were concerned about like um, having more accidents. So um, to start our e-bike sharing in Zurich, we agreed to um, put, put the maximum um, support level to 35 kilometers an hour and not to 45 kilometer, kilometers an hour. And we have been running like with those bikes for one year. And after one year, we actually um, had our statistics and we saw that there haven't been more accidents than in private use. Actually, with our fleet bikes, there have been less accidents. And now we, um, what we do is like new customers, they have to start with a support up to 35 kilometers per hour. But like people who are using Smite regularly, who are used um, to drive with them, they can go up to 45. So you can do that via the software. You could say to someone, oh, you're only allowed to go up to 35 kilometers an hour until you've done, you know, an hour worth of riding. <laughs> That's that level of intelligence is just, I can, well, let's just say, Horace, I see what you're on about. This, uh, that's, that's like next level, um, being able to do that. That's really impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, when I first saw the system and then mind you, it's something that ran already since 2016. So they've been doing this longer than anybody, uh, in, in, in not only very few free floating were available back then and only in China, but also, and certainly no one was doing free float e-bikes. Uh, and uh, so they've really gained a tremendous uh, 
level of competency and experience because they've learned so much over these few years uh, now and also growing organically into their market rather than trying to flood and expand uh, using uh, using you know fire first and ask questions later type approach. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I like that I like that a lot, and, and that, that's one reason I was attracted to the to the whole system there. Okay, so just thinking about growth now, and Switzerland certainly seems a, a, you do, doing great success there. Are you now? You mentioned also Germany, and potentially England, uh, maybe London. Um, do you think fundamentally this works across Europe? Is this something that could could be, uh, you know, we'd love to see that, for example, up in Finland. Uh, is this something that, that you believe works in other countries? Yes, I'm very convinced our service uh, would work in other countries. Um, Germany, for sure, as the culture is very um, similar to Switzerland. Um, we would also like to go like in bigger cities, like Berlin, Munich. Um, also, London would be very interesting. London has um, um, put a lot of money into um, the bicycle infrastructure and they're also like bending cars from the city center. Um, that would be very interesting to get there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Indeed. I was, just, I was just in Copenhagen as well and uh, just last week and it was uh, for this micromobility conference and it's shocking how many bikes are in are in that city and um, and how calm everyone is using them. It's very much like Amsterdam, but but Copenhagen seems bigger and and uh, it seems like people are using it very very uh, kind of uh, structurally. It's like it's part of the part of the infrastructure, part of the culture, and uh, it's. The idea of a speed pedelec is, is I think, would be interesting there. That most people don't have e-bikes. Uh, Germany, very, very many people try now e-bikes. But um, th this is this is an interesting question about which cities are the best ones to enter because you have you have some cities with very high model share for bikes, but that means many people own them, so maybe they're not as likely to 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 use a shared service. Now, from your experience, uh, Corinne, can you give us kind of, how do we think about Swiss or, or Zurich people as, as, are your customers people who normally cycle, have their own bicycles, but find, find using Smide more convenient or, or, or how, how, how do you think about them? Our customers, they want to be very time efficient and they like to, to, to get very fast from one place to the other place. Oh, we nice. have private bankers in our customer segment as well as like students who have to go up, uphill to study, like for the ETH. Um, of course, we got like more men in our customer base. Women tend to have a little bit respect respect in the first place like um, to ride a fast e-bike oh. yeah and yeah people want to have like a good bike a very good bike that's amazing because you know I, I would imagine most people have their own bikes but they're 
still not the ones that maybe they would buy because the, the ones you have are, are going to be faster and they're going to be, uh, it, what's, what's, you, in, what I'm trying to point out is that it's very rare when you have a shared system, whether it's public or private, so if you have a transit network or you have a, even a car rental service, you don't usually expect those vehicles to be premium or even better that you might, than you might own yourself. So you don't usually go to a rental car to rent an exotic sports car, although some that's beginning to be a business model, but it's, it's probably less than 1% of the volume. It, it's, it's most likely that you're going to get a very boring and kind of generic car. And also, if you're going to get on the bus or on a train, you don't expect the performance oriented vehicle or or anything like that maybe tgv is different or some kind of high-speed rail but uh but it, it's still fundamentally interesting that here in micro mobility you have an opportunity to offer a premium experience on on a vehicle that no one would actually buy themselves or few people would buy themselves and even if they did they probably wouldn't br bring them into the city because then you have to deal with you know theft and and other issues and and they're, they're not very portable because you can't just bring them up the stairs with you. I was thinking about that 5,000 franc offer and it's like, well, you know, to, to buy a Stromer is what, 6,000 euros? And that's an expensive bike. But if you were going to go buy that, it's like, well, I only really want to use it on the street. I mean, I want to be able to use it when I'm in the city and all of a sudden I can do this and you get the money paid back after three years and you have free use of that bike for three years. I mean, that just strikes me as like, that's an incredible deal. <laughs> I think so. I think the fact that you, you you know you really should roll this out everywhere. I think it's there's there's a market for premium everywhere. Um, we're seeing this not just with the iPhone and you know in, in, in the case of the iPhone we have 800 million of them in use. Over 1.5 billion of them have been sold. There's by no means iPhone is not an exclusive product. I mean it's a premium product, but if there's 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 probably one in five people who can own it uh, or who do own it, and um, you know in some markets is one in two people. So you know when you think about uh, the 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 idea of premium, it's there are there are people who are willing to pay for quality everywhere, and having this option, even if you're not going to saturate a market and you're only going to capture 20% of it. It's still a very interesting market. And I think it's, it's possibly the best, the best quintile, the best one fifth uh, of any given market is, is the one that's, that's being targeted here. Anyway, I'm probably saying too much here because this is really gold. <laughs> like my mind is being blown here because it's such a different approach to to this to this model. But um, you yeah, you, you just you say, a it's... quick point uh, just just came to my mind. So here's an opportunity where a sharing business takes on the high end where the consumer does not, and right. it's 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 very interesting. I, I haven't even figured it all out, but it sounds sounds really fascinating. So you know, Corinne, you've been a wonderful guest, and we really enjoyed learning about uh, the Swiss the Swiss e-bike system and uh, SMIDE. And how can people learn more about this? Uh, is there a website? Is it uh, available in English? Yeah, uh, there is a website available in English, as well as you can also download our app. It's also in English. And, but the best thing is, of course, coming to Zurich. So <laughs> plan your next vacation with a stopover or even longer in Zurich and try out our service. It's really so, worth so it. it.
Is it yeah. is it smide.ch, right? Smide, S-M-I-D-E dot C-H. That's right. Great. Uh, I highly recommend it as well. I'm a, I'm a user and I'm, I'm a fan and I've, I've uh, ex- experienced it in its, uh, in its beauty. Check it out, smide.ch. And uh, thanks, Corinne, for joining us on, on the Micromobility Podcast. Cheers. Thanks so much for Thank you. <laughs>